Welcome to Orion Valley. Hello, film bots. I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. Welcome to my podcast where I dissect films with fellow film enthusiasts and discuss why we love the medium as much as we do. Today, Lexi Cutmore returns on the show to talk about one of our all-time favorites and one of the best entries in the sci-fi genre, that is Terminator 2, Judgment Day. All right, Lexi Cutmore is back on the show um, to talk about Terminator 2. This is a very, very important movie for me. Um, it's I'm such a huge sci-fi fan. I feel like we've talked about it a lot on this show. Um, and so you've also been watching a lot of Arnold movies, so it kind of coincided with us, um, mm-hmm. with our watches recently. So um, tell me what your relationship to this movie is and um, maybe the first time you saw it or why, you, um, why you're attracted to it. You want the whole, the whole to-do the first time? Please, yeah. <laughs> so let's go back, shall we? Uh-huh. I want to say like 2009, somewhere in there. Do you know of, or at least have heard of, the T2 3D ride in Universal Studios? Yes, I was going to bring that up. Okay, so again, like nine years old, I go there with my parents. They're like, we have to go see this. I had never seen the movie or mm-hmm. anything to do with Terminator because I was nine. And I go in there. It was like, okay, at best from what I remember. But the whole time I'm completely lost. So, <laughs> you know, my, my mom turns to me. She's like, do you know what's going on? I'm like, <clears throat> no, of course not. I've never seen this movie. So she's like, that's it. As soon as this vacation's over, guess what we're doing? <laughs> and that's exactly what led into it was immediately after we had gotten back from Florida they were like, sit down. Mm-hmm. You have to see this movie. Of course, I watched the first one first. But as we all know, or at least in my opinion, the second one is a much better watch. My, st- It's almost verbatim the same as your story. I was, I went to Universal for the first time when I was like, um, I don't know, I think I was like maybe 10 or something like that. Um, and I, I did the same thing. I, I knew what Terminator was. I think at that time, the Sarah Connor Chronicles was on mm-hmm. TV and I knew what the symbol was and what the Terminator looked like. Um, and so I remember we did that and I was like, oh, this is cool. I, my, my dad was at least worried that it was going to be too scary for me. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, let's go. Um, I think I was actually younger than 10. But um, either way. And so I remember. So if you remember when you walk in, because it's like set up as like, welcome to Skynet, you right. know. Um, and there was this woman like, okay, welcome to Skynet. You know, just so you know, there's going to be some 3D stuff. There's going to be some smoke. And as she's talking, I remember there's like, you could see someone put like a laser pointer like on her stomach or something like that. Like, you know, like that famous kiss video. Mm-hmm. And so, and she goes, uh, whoever has the laser, you better not do that. Or, uh, <laughs> you know, the Terminator's going to get you or like something stupid like that. And then she did it. And then they did it again. And she was like, don't, something's going to happen. Like, you better stop. And then they they stopped and I remember what I remember vividly about that ride also is like so there's like welcome to Skynet like Mm -hmm. the video where it's like our industries are so like top notch and modern and then like they cut into (laughs) it and and it's, it's Sarah Connor and John Connor and they're like all right, so we're going to try and destroy Skynet. Hey, John, can you vamp for a little bit while I, like, you know, hack into the mainframe? And the actor who's playing John goes like, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you know, Skynet's bad, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same as what she said. Uh, 
my you almost done like i mean <laughs> and then yeah i remember uh and then that woman who introduces it gets taken in the show like everyone mm-hmm. like invades yeah i remember that vividly but i i hadn't seen the movie and it this is a top tier cable movie mm-hmm. like it's one it's kind of how i first saw it i remember I've, I've definitely seen this one more times than the first one and i saw this one first um so i remember like my stepdad watching it i remember like coming in on the um you know the whole uh mental hospital break-in mm-hmm. kind of thing um and i remember yeah all like just each action scene, the truck driving scene, which we'll obviously get into it, but I was like, oh man, I was so into it. And each time I remember I saw it on TV afterwards, I would cut little, or get in on little snippets like here, or see this part, or this part, or this part. And then finally, like once I saw it all entirely, I was like, yes, this is easily, and still, I think to this day, it's my favorite sci fi movie. Like, oh, yeah. Ever. It's a top tier. Um, and each time you go back to it, it just like, it, sends adrenaline through your entire body it just makes me so happy (laughs) no i agree and i also think i want to say i think it's funny that both of us ended up seeing that ride prior to actually seeing Mm -hmm. the movie because you get like remember when the guy came out in the motorcycle and now there was like this live action version you get such a low rent version of what you're going to walk into with the movie that i think Mm -hmm. it's it's better that way. Yeah, it's like Arthur Schwarzenegger, you know. They got someone <laughs> in, with the body type um and you know, he's just kind of mouthing to words or something mm-hmm. like that. Um yeah, I I remember it so vividly. Um and so like, you know, Terminator 2: Judgment Day. It's a science fiction film, it came out in 1991. It's a sequel to the 1984 um classic The Terminator. Um now it also again starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as um the T100 and uh, uh, Linda Hamilton uh, introduces Edward Furlong. We got Robert Patrick in there, who we will definitely talk about. And it's all about them trying to stop Judgment Day. And one thing that I noticed on rewatch is that we're so at this point with like franchise movies and um, uh, just big blockbuster movies like that. It's always the fate of the world, you know. Mm-hmm. It's always and so. You know, now I've been like I've this nice year long break from Marvel stuff has been kind of nice. We're just yeah. focusing on like smaller stakes things. But then I went back to this. I was like, is it going to be dull or is it going to be like too much? Like, OK, it's the fate of the world. But like the you like really get the sense of the stakes like really well mm-hmm. throughout this movie from the dream sequence to just the opening shots of the with the narration over it. Um, it just feels like it also feels like just a totally different movie, but you feel from the first one, but you really feel the stakes like, okay, this is the fate of the world. And you like, because of how the characters are portrayed, particularly Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor, like it's, it's a very emotional sci-fi movie. It's great. Mm -hmm. Well, you had just previously gone from the first movie where in the end she's just pregnant with John and now you're in it, you know, they're fighting this battle against Skynet and you're seeing this 40-year-old version of John over Sarah's narration, it's just a really intense scene, which, by the way, I just want to say, hasn't really aged that much, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one thing I was watching like for like a hawk, because like, this movie is w- very well known for like the visual effects, the practical mm-hmm. effects, um, and we'll get into the filming and all this stuff, like, James, stuff with James Cameron, but like for the most part... I only really have nitpicks about the effects. Like some of it, mm-hmm. like you can tell it's like 91 and like, especially because of how, you know, the effects, um, 
the ability with effects now has just like skyrocketed. But for the most part, like all the practical stuff, like the explosions, all the truck stuff, like it's just Mm -hmm. for the most part, like it's still, I don't really get taken out of this movie. Yeah. I mean, even like the T-101s walking around in the opening scene, it didn't look as clunky and awkward as it did, you know, back in the first movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I and I enjoy the first movie. I think I admittedly I've only seen the first one all the way through one time. And I enjoyed it. Um you can tell it's definitely like a early James Cameron uh and the the budget is much lower. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, definitely it's it's it when I saw it also it was after this one so I was not used to Arnold being the bad guy. Right. So that was weird for me. So cuz in this one you just can't help but love him. <laughs> like he's just so and we'll talk about the themes or whatever, but he's like just such a good buddy and you, you know, feel for him what happens to what happens to him at the end. So like with the first one, when I was watching, I was like, this is, this feels weird. Like, I wonder how it would be if I went back to rewatch it, but like, it, it just doesn't feel right. And that's like, now I'm supposed to care about Kyle Reese. Like it was just like, it was kind of discombobulating in a way. Like, when did you see the first one? Um, so I saw the first one prior to seeing the second one, just cause I think my parents wanted to give me context. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that they gave him a personality, Arnold Schwarzenegger, in the mm-hmm. second movie. Because in the first movie, he only has, I don't know, he only says like 54 words in total in the mm. entire movie. So uh-huh. it's like, you don't really know the guy, you just know he's bad. Yeah. But at the same time, going into the second one, you're like, well, who is he this time? Mm-hmm. They don't really tell you in the beginning. It's a really good bait and switch. Like that scene in the arcade hallway mm-hmm. is fantastic um have you seen it um, obviously this was turned into a major franchise still going strong like their uh terminator dark fate came out just in 2019 have you seen any of the other sequels like what is your relationship to the to the rest of the franchise i have very strong opinions <laughs> so i saw the third one it's passable i think you know it, it's all right but i saw salvation and then i just put my hands up and i was like i'm done mm-hmm. i'm done it's they cg'd arnold into it and i just went what are we doing at this point that's the only one i haven't seen i saw three three was another always on tv kind of movie mm-hmm. um i and i that's another one i only saw once because i was like i don't it's like they're trying to go back to the first one but they're trying to make arnold like more emotionally available as he than he was in the second one but it, it's weird because in the first one he's the the villain in this one he's so lovable and everyone wants to be around him and then in the third one there's like a scene where uh kyle reese is like why don't you just go man like get out of here it's like arnold's like like actually hurt by it like what the fuck is this this is ridiculous Mm -hmm. (laughs) um i never saw salvation i saw genesis in theaters and i and i saw dark fate in theaters both of which i think are awful they're both so just like they're so bad on so many levels like the especially the first one um and the the cgi in that and the second one just kind of ruins this movie in a way yeah. do you mind if i spoil it for you no i don't care okay. i don't have intentions of watching i'm not it. kidding you this dark fate opens with a cgi a total cgi shot of edward furlong and linda hamilton like as if it was the the week after T2, like they're on vacation somewhere. I'd heard they tried to pick it back up. Yeah. And then another T100 just storms in and just shoots John Connor in the face and he's dead. And then that starts off the whole next, you know, 
adventure of the movie. That just totally negates everything they've ever done. Exactly! When my friend and I saw that, we were just like, what the fuck? That means that, well, Skynet would have been destroyed, and why would he come back? It just ruins the whole emotional... It's terrible. It's so awful. I was just so angry throughout so much of that movie. Um, And just, like, bad fan service. Like, they just... I think they got really lucky with this movie. Mm -hmm. And so... Because, like, the first movie is so bookended and it's a really good like just contained here's a movie kind of like good sci-fi action adventure with some really interesting practical effects and then they got lucky with the second one and they like topped themselves and it's like good let's just end it here this doesn't need to be Mm -hmm. a big you know multi-million dollar franchise it just it just doesn't so i just choose to believe that those movies just don't exist it's a good good duology of movies if you will (laughs) well it's definitely proof that a sequel can work because seldom are sequels better than the first movie yes but they got to a point where it was like let's just beat this horse yeah well i mean this is one of the best sequels ever made in my opinion i think it Mm -hmm. it, like takes everything from the first one up a level it's like this and like aliens uh, also james cameron and you know the dark knight or like godfather 2 they do what they're so good at is they take they understand what the first one did and mm-hmm. what the first movie did so well and then added all of those movies add another emotional component to it and then you know raise the stakes and also raise the not only budget but the ability that they can do all of those movies also waited a fair amount of time well godfather 2 was 2 years after but all those other movies were like a pretty fair amount of time in between mm-hmm. where technology had caught up where you know the um storytelling had you know changed and you know, everyone was on their A game. So it was, this is a kind of one of a really good, like, lightning in a bottle kind of perfect moment movies. So this movie uh, had a budget of about $100 million, and it made $520 million. Mm -hmm. And in 1991 dollars. That's amazing. It won four Oscars, um, best editing, best um, effects, best uh, sound Makeup. makeup and sound editing, which are all, like, technically this movie is just... It's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that this movie is, is interesting because, like, there's so many things going on. And I think this honestly might be James Cameron's best movie, in my opinion. It kind of goes back and forth in my head between this and Aliens, which I also just watched for the first time recently. Um, he's an interesting director to me because he was never one of my favorites. He was never one that I was like... Um, you know the the best that you know cinema has to offer but you can't deny that he's a very visual director and ha- and is someone who does continually push the boundaries in terms of cuz like you know this movie has some of the best uh you know visual effects and just chase scenes that you'll see or action mm-hmm. scenes it and then he has obviously avatar which upped the game with 3D effects um you know i think he's a terrible writer but <laughs> he's he is a very good like detail oriented like big blockbuster kind of director. I mean, do you, uh, like, do you have specific relationships to his movies, or where does he fit for you? From a visual aspect, and I know it is the vein of your existence, <laughs> I thought Avatar was really well done. I mean, uh-huh. it's just his ability to work with movement and make it seem as realistic as possible is there. Yeah. I mean, in this movie's just, you know, an example of that, because for Jason, my boyfriend, um, he had just seen it for the first time, the other day and there were a lot of scenes that had happened like the motorcycle scene when he jumps Jay was like did that actually happen uh-huh. and I went well <laughs> it's visual effects but it's realistic enough to make someone who's watching it go oh that just seems like 
it happened right before my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, they blend the practical effects really well. And I think this movie kind of, you know, paved the way for a lot of modern action movies. And it also is an action movie where you can tell it's a James Cameron movie. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of modern action movies, they just kind of slap some random director on there and just be mm-hmm. like, oh, just go ahead, you know, and it's just... And they have, like, the outer shell of something that happened before. But this one is, like, you can very much tell that James Cameron is, like, forgive the pun, but driving the bus (laughs) and um, just just doing what he does does best. Um, And, you know, there are some moments, like, throughout where I'm just, like, some of the lines of dialogue are not great. But at least he had a co-writer on it. And um, the story itself, he but is, like, very engaging. And the characters are all great. Like, that, like, trumps everything else. Like, I love the characters in this movie, and, um, you know, people kind of, like, you know, kind of hark on, like, Edward Furlong's performance or um, anything like that, but this is a very immersive movie. Right. Like, when I was watching it last night, I was just in from the get-go, which also involves the pacing, but Mm -hmm. it's just... I'm just glued the entire time. From the standpoint of writing, though, I mean, because you have those moments like chill out, dickwad. Like, <laughs> obviously, nobody says that in real That's life. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's also those, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger classic one-liners. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have them in there, I don't know if it would be his movie. That is the one thing I want to bring up before we get to Critical Breakdown. Arnold, a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, just for... 50 years he's been in popular consciousness. Everyone knows, he, like, you just call him Arnold. Like, everyone knows everyone knows who he is. Mm-hmm. A, an amazing bodybuilder, well-known for, like, just being one of the, like, hugest guys on the planet. He was Mr. Universe for a while. Um, and uh, then made his way into, uh, into movies, and there are so many of his movies that, like, yes, he's not a good actor, quote-unquote. This is his best performance, though. And he's a great movie star. Mm-hmm. He's just... It's not about the acting talent. It's about the presence. It's about how he is with everyone else. He has such charisma. He has also just, you know, obviously, like, the poster child of just testosterone. <laughs> like, it's just what he is. But so many of his movies, and also, I mean, you've been watching a lot of his movies lately. Oh, yeah. So I want to know, like, have you, like, what have you noticed about these movies? Like, you watch, like, like True Lies, right? Mm-hmm. What are some, like, Kindergarten Cop? What do you notice about him as a movie star in these rewatches? Um, so, I mean, even from the beginning, we're talking, like, Conan the Barbarian days. <laughs> His acting, I mean, you have to give credit where credit is due. He has grown so much oh, in yeah. that time frame. Absolutely. Because, you know, back in 1977 for Conan... The accent, that Austrian accent, is so rough to the point where you can't really understand him. His mannerisms are a little bit off, but Mm -hmm. he's comfortable at this point. You know, we're getting the sense of who he is not only as an actor, but the character that he's playing. Yeah. And I also think he just fits that trope of, like, big, muscly, tough guy so well Mm -hmm. that he was right to kind of stay in his lane. There were some films we're not going to really go into, like Twins and things like that, (laughs) good God. But, you know, I have noticed that that trope just works for him. It's exactly, when you get into a movie and you see his name come up in the titles, you're like, I know what I'm getting into. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what to expect, and I'm here for it. Absolutely. And, like, his movies go all over the place. Like, not only in just terms of just being so over the top, but, like, 
yeah, the roles that he plays and like he dips into comedy. He did some drama stuff recently. Mm -hmm. He did obviously just being the governor of California is just such an interesting. <laughs> the governor. The, 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 the man is a meme. Like he's just a straight meme, but he's so lovable and he seems like a great guy. Like he mm -hmm. seems very nice. Um, and yeah, he just has you're just glued to him. Even in something like Commando, which is just mm. so ridiculous. It's so funny. It's so cheesy. It's so cheesy, but it's so fun because he, like, you know, remember I said I'd kill you last? I lied. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. It's so good. But all so those good. opening scenes with his daughter, oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad that we moved away from that in this particular film. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you get a little bit of that father-son kind of emotion happening but it's mm -hmm. not in that same like I'm just cringing the yeah. whole time. <laughs> yeah well this movie blends it because he doesn't he's always on like because he's always learning he's kind of on the outside and he comes in and first is just the big guy mm -hmm. and then he learns to have a heart as opposed to constantly just trying to like I have a heart don't you understand you yeah. know like which is kind of what like a lot of his like stuff in T3 is which is why it's you know, it's terrible. It's so forced. <laughs> um, but the man is an icon. Um, and I, I just, I love him in this movie because like I said, it's the perfect blend. Um, and when he sacrifices himself at the end mm -hmm. and how he, you see how he learns and the stuff he picks up and, you know, obviously the famous line, Asta la vista baby is just, <laughs> it's so cool to see these, like he does have an arc and he does go through these periods of just like simple learning. Um, but he doesn't, he never is giving too much. Like mm -hmm. he is perfectly being the strong man, but also being the dead, you know, the dead, uh, deadpan face. Which oh is, yeah, I mean, it's like, great. Even in the the opening scene with him, that bar scene, he is so deadpan. <laughs> he walks up the guy. He's like, "I need your boots, your clothes, and your motorcycle." <laughs> but it's so good. It's the best. Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue. Let's get into the critical breakdown. That opening scene is phenomenal. It's so fucking good. It's just, it's literally the whole scene is like five lines of dialogue mm -hmm. from the time he gets to the bar to the time that he leaves. Yeah, it's that, which is just like amazing. Then the guy even better is like, you forgot to say please and puts the cigar out on him. And then he's so scared. He says, take it. And then he like, when he gets the sunglasses from the guy, it's just, it's five straight minutes or not even five. It's like just total charisma and total control. Like, I think if, it, this is another one of those things where I have this like running theory that I, I heard it on a podcast once that like, if you have a song in a movie and it's used so well, it should just automatically be retired. Like it can't be used any better. So you want bad, bad to, to the, the bone, bone to just be done. Because that's, how could you not think of that? Arnold coming out just decked out in leather and like in a shotgun and getting on a mm -hmm. bike. I can't not think of that. And then obviously with the sunglasses, but it's at night, so it's... I mean, what a brave guy, the owner of that bar, to be like, I can't let you take that man's ride. I'm sorry, if I just watched someone get thrown onto a grill, uh-uh, he can yeah. take whatever bike he wants. I don't know, maybe he was in the bathroom and he kind of missed what was going on, and he's just kind of catching up. <laughs> um, you know, he comes into the kitchen, there's a naked guy and he's with a bird face, yeah. so he's going to have some questions. Um, but, and I, yeah, he, throughout this entire movie... He is just, it's just, it, he's just great. It, it just, it's just is so exciting. Um, mm -hmm. And 
each time, each moment that he's on screen, he is able to, he kind of has the effect on the other actors in this right. because of his presence and how he ties in to the first film. Which also I wanted to say, this is another great example where, yes, it's a sequel, and if you know the basic synopsis of what happens in the first movie, you understand, like, you can follow a little a little bit better. But mm-hmm. I think this is just a great movie by itself. Like, I think it's pretty easy to figure out. And that also comes with, like, expository dialogue and things like that. There are some callbacks to the first movie where I feel like if you hadn't seen it, there are certain things you wouldn't necessarily pick up on. Yeah, true. I mean, like, they, they mentioned the whole thing with Kyle Reese and, like, how he was sent back, like, but he's, and that's what John is, like, talking to him when he's, like, doing, mm-hmm. when he's fixing the car up, um, and... Like, if you saw Kyle in that scene where Sarah's making out with fake Kyle, like, you would be a little bit lost in saying, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and... You know, just the understanding the position of why she's in the mental the mental institution, mm-hmm. um, which again they they explain pretty quickly with the doctor being like, ah, this the the T one oh one if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and his assistant's like, huh, original, like, shut up, just get. <laughs> also, that doctor, by the way, is a his knee must have healed so well. To, to oh, a couple yeah. weeks ago, she stabbed him in the kneecap with a pen, and he's just walking around fine. No bandage, nothing. Wow, he's a fucking trooper. He himself might be a Terminator. He may be a doctor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I want to talk about Linda Hamilton in this movie. Just amazing. I think she's mm-hmm. fantastic in this. And yes, you could make the case that she is giving like so much and maybe like overacting, but like. I also say compared to her performance in Dark Fate where she's just so dull and just awful and just like uninteresting. In this movie, I want her because she's so manic and obviously scared. The whole emotional um, you know, weight is put on her shoulders because of those the dreams of the of the uh of the uh judgment day and just knowing that the world is gonna end and having that constantly in her head. And you see her when she's, like, doing pull-ups. She's, like, so fucking strong and can just, like, totally carry herself. She's so great in this. Oh, she murdered herself for this role. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if you saw it, but it was something crazy, like, 13 weeks, six hour, or six days a week, and then it was, like, three hours a day of just working out <sighs> constantly. She is ripped. She's also extremely thin. Like, oh, she's, yeah. like, just, like, no, like, 0% body fat. Um, but, like, it's so cool when she breaks out of that facility. Like, that is just an incredible sequence where she's just, like, she's, like, almost hopping when she's running mm-hmm. around, and she's just, like, constantly, like, she's so smart when she has, like, the paper clip and, you know, picks up the baton from the dude she uh, beats the shit out of. Which, after he licked her face, uh, you know what? Yeah. yeah do it. Just, oh, God, kill him. Ah, so I forgot all about that part when I was watching it last night. I was like, what? Oh, my God. Um, but that's also, you know, there's good payoff in that. Um, yeah, she and yeah, she's just giving so much to it. And, you know, there's that great scene when uh, the doctor says, hey, uh, you know, I think you should stay here for another six months. And she like just loses it. Totally understand. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. Like, she's just been stuck here for so long and just wants to see her son, but she also wants to break out because we obviously, the audience, know that she's right and she has to try and save the world. But every decision that she makes, like, I love when she goes to kill uh, Miles and then 
when she's about to do it, then she just breaks down. Mm -hmm. Like, you totally get the emotional crux of her in that moment. I, I totally forgot all of the, the highs that she has as a character in this movie. I mean, I remember, you know, her kicking a lot of ass, but, like, you know, she is the real center of this movie, I think, in terms of the heart. She's a very strategic character. Mm -hmm. She's smart. Yeah, she's very smart. And... I did mention to you I had forgotten just how insane she was in the movie. <laughs> I mean, even from the standpoint of being a mother, like the scene after they get out of the hospital and she goes to hug John and you're thinking like, oh, she just, she missed him. She hadn't seen him. Then she starts like feeling him and it's a very strange relationship, but you understand where she's coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, I was I was thinking about that too when I was watching because like, yeah, she's making sure that there's no like, there was no contact, there was no like, mm -hmm. there's no bullets or anything like that because she, because literally the whole fate of the world, I mean, obviously she knows it, but like rests on him because of like him staying alive. And, and he's 10, so of course like. Yeah, and he doesn't understand, he doesn't know. So when in that moment, like, you know, and obviously we get the great line, it's like, why do you cry? Or what's wrong with your what's eyes? Um, what, what do you think of Edward Furlong in this movie? I, I He's kind of a, a lot of people think he's a, a little annoying. I think he's kind of a, a little bit of a hot topic. Obviously, his career has gone in a very interesting direction. But where, uh, what do you think of his performance in this movie? So the filming was six months in total. Uh -huh. It was kind of a long time. And I know they had issues keeping him consistent as a character uh -huh. just because he was obviously going through puberty at the time, mm -hmm. and I guess he hit like a serious growth spurt, so they ran into issues with like height changes and everything. For a kid, I think he did well. Mm -hmm. I don't find him annoying because you can't really fault him for going through puberty. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, I, I think it's just like he he's doing a lot of yelling, but like in especially in that scene when uh, after he fought, uh, his with. Um, when he's with Arnold and finds out that his foster parents are dead. And then, you know, he's like, oh, you have to do everything I say. But then he almost kills the guy and he's just screaming and screaming. His voice is cracking a lot. Like, oh, yeah. it's like he's squeaking all over the place. I, I think it's kind of funny. Like, I it does, it's not a distraction for me. I never found him annoying personally. Uh, I think it's just because I've I always like kind of view that as like he feels like a 10 year old to me. I think it makes it work. I mean, yeah. you know, you're giving a lot of power to a kid mm -hmm. and his actions and saying like, you know, did you just call, call moi a dipshit? <laughs> like that is such what a 10 year old would do. And then the voice adds on to it and the poor decisions he makes knowing that the Terminator is going to listen to him. It all just comes together in a way that I feel like emphasizes his character. Yeah, for sure. Like he's the kid who's like, He's trying to be cool, like that we all were doing at that mm -hmm. age. He's actually, he actually is kind of cool, but he is very much like, you know, just can't go around killing people. You know, you just, you just can't. Like he obviously has a moral compass uh, in that sense, but he's also like really smart, also because like you know he's using the fucking hack, like that little hacking thing to like break into mm -hmm. the ATM and uh, and spends it all in arcade. <laughs> um, Which again is what a kid would do. Yes, exactly. So like yeah, why would why wouldn't he? Where else was where else is he gonna go? Um, shout out to his friend for having a wild mullet in 1991 um, <laughs> and. Uh, <clears throat> but but yeah, I I personally never had a problem with him in this movie. I know a lot of people find him like really annoying or like it takes them out of the movie. I think for a kid performance, there have been so many. So like, there's been way worse. Oh yeah, I think like there have been ones where you're just like you're just not doing anything, and he's doing a lot. Like I think he's putting a lot of effort and cares about like the performance and and just mm -hmm. cares about the character and wants to be wants to do a good job in the movie. So I 
I commend him personally. Yeah, um, I mean, no fault of their own to other child actors because acting just isn't easy. But mm-hmm. sometimes, like the mannerisms and the way that kids deliver lines is just not that great. Yeah, I feel like he hits the mark. Yeah, I think all four of the main key figures in this movie have really great character intros. Obviously, Arnold has the the bar scene. Um, uh, Edward Furlong has where he's like fixing the bike and not listening to his foster parents. Mm-hmm. Linda Hamilton has, you know, doing a, a bunch of sick pull-ups and dissing the doctor. And Robert Patrick has kind of the similar intro, but then he just punches a cop really hard, I guess, yeah. and and steals his whole thing. Um, so I personally really like Robert Patrick in this movie. I've always liked Robert Patrick, personally. I, he just is so menacing mm-hmm. in this movie. And I, obviously, yes, he's very just like... He also is kind of doing like a deadpan face. Yeah. But he, I always, I was always scared of him as a kid. Like he was always like, because of how like just strong he is. The idea of a liquid metal adversary is brilliant. That's genius. That's fantastic. I love it. I don't think I was scared of him going into it because again, you're not really sure who the bad guy is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're, they're all Terminators, so... At the end of the day, like, they're built to kill. So him hitting a cop, it's like, oh, that's just expected. Yeah, and he's running. His running in this movie is insane. He is running so fucking fast. Like, it's better than Tom Cruise running. Like, in any movie, he is just... He's trained to do that. Yeah, it's amazing. And he's just, like, so just, like, just completely just in the zone. He's, mm-hmm. like, just... Oh, and he runs a lot in this movie. Because I had read that scene where he's chasing... John Connor on his dirt bike like he was actually physically able to keep up to the dirt bike so the directors had to be like you have to back off because Jesus you're being Christ. you're running too fast that's scary that is very <laughs> very scary um and I mean I, I think what's really great about this movie after all of those character intros it was one of those things for me where I was like oh there's this scene and then it leads directly into this scene and then mm-hmm. there's this scene because it's like I had forgotten that the the arcade leads into the hallway and then immediately leads into the highway chase. Yes. Like that stretch of just like 30 minutes is so, so good. Cause like when I was watching it, I was like, I realized like there's so many good scenes, but it's also like the story in and of itself is pretty simple. Yeah. Like it's just like, okay, this guy's protecting him. This guy's trying to get him. They have to evade Mm -hmm. and then, you know, stop, Judgment Day. Like, that in and of itself is just very, it's very basic, but because, again, that the stakes are so high, and um, the the protection and the, uh, the uh, antagonists are so mm-hmm. strong, it makes for some just, like, great tension throughout yeah. the whole movie. I mentioned it earlier, that whole hallway sequence, and how they use slow motion, and how you think Arnold's gonna be first, and you're like, oh, no, no, but then he, like, he says, get down, and, like, you mm-hmm. know, he dodges, oh, it's so good. I love that bait and switch. You're right because at first you're not you're not sure like oh no who's going after who, mm-hmm. um, but it's ugh, it's a great switch and a great change from the first movie. It's an it's a welcomed moment. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I think the whole movie has great slow motion sequences. Like in every single major action set piece, there's really good slow motion throughout. And they like, did use it a lot, but not necessarily to the detriment of the film. Yeah, well, because they knew how to use it. They did it where they, you know, raised the frame rate, so they're able to slow it down where it's mm-hmm. not like, it's not like janky or clunky or anything. Right. It's very fluid. And it does it to accentuate a point. Like when 
when they're in the mental hospital and uh, Laura d- uh, turns or Sarah turns the turns the corner and then Arnold comes out and she just freaks out mm-hmm. that's such a great like oh my god this feels like her impending doom but we're like no wait it's okay like yeah. it's <laughs> it's so great the it's sound brilliant. choices also really emphasize those moments that freaking bell every single time puts me on edge even though i know exactly what's going on i'm like run sarah yeah go <laughs> oh, no also the soundtrack and the score is iconic i i mm-hmm. love i had forgotten how little they actually use like the dun 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 but like the the when they're well, like any chase scene it's got like the dun 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 it's mm-hmm. like oh my god it's like such a great score i think it's a really underrated score honestly like i think uh, every major franchise has their like theme that everyone is like is pretty easy to recognize like uh, the avengers theme is so iconic at this point and it's been memed a lot yeah. <laughs> but like this one i feel like doesn't get talked about as much in that same vein because i think it's one where like people hear it and they recognize it where they're like oh i've heard that before mm-hmm. but you probably couldn't like if you ask people they probably couldn't place it to terminator i think it's because they use it sparingly that main theme you hear it at the beginning when the credits are going and then uh like once at the end I think it's a really smart choice on their part. I mean, but it also lets the actors speak for themselves. You know, what they were asked to do is enough. You don't necessarily need the music in order to get into the film. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I want to talk about the highway chase because this is easily one of the. It's it, like it's like a Mad Max movie in the middle of this, <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of Terminator. It's so amazing. It's like one of the best chase scenes ever filmed in my mm-hmm. opinion the like i don't know how they did it like every shot of especially like when um when they get the shots of john on the motorcycle mm-hmm. when he's like going in there in the la river which is another good thing this is a great la movie because you always know like where they are throughout the city but like just how like it's always on like the outside but that's like far enough away to where you can see exactly what he's doing and it seems dangerous that like for us it's like oh no he's gonna fall mm-hmm. off it could like anything could happen and just the truck Barrowing through the bridge mm-hmm. down is just like that is like real terror. I think yeah. this movie has like a lot of good scares. Oh yeah, like it 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 gets you. Like it sneaks up on you because you get you know that point where John is down in the L.A. River and he stops and you're like no 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 yeah, you know keep going go 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 you, <laughs> you know as the the viewer you're like. That tractor trailer is coming down here. Mm-hmm, yeah, he's not gonna take the exit ramp and then like you know <laughs> continue on foot. You know he's gonna he's gonna do some shit. But then that's also the great money shot of Arnold in the motorcycle. Give me a, someone jumping in a motorcycle in any movie and I'll like it. Oh yeah, it's such a great like. I don't like Mission Impossible two, but the best part of that movie <laughs> is when he jumps through the on the motorcycle just covered in flames Mm -hmm. it's so fucking cool like it's just great and again because uh john still doesn't know like what's going on so when arnold just fucking picks him up oh yeah ragdolls him (laughs) arnold is a a couple times throughout this movie and i had totally forgotten when they go see like um their friends out in the desert Mm -hmm. (laughs) he just picks the man handles him (laughs) he just picks up this baby like it's a briefcase (laughs) like i was laughing so hard um but 
yeah, and you know, seeing Arnold like with the shotgun and he just like, you know, like whips it around to like reload it. Which I guess he tore up his hand doing that. I would imagine so. It seems like it'd be pretty heavy. Yeah. James Cameron was like, "You should wear a leather glove for that." And then I guess Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, "But would that look cool?" (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh, very true. Then he's wearing leather gloves later in the uh, at the end. But either way, um, it's just like. Each scene, each action scene, especially like the one at the end, like you think they got him, but then he keeps going. Mm-hmm. And then you think they got him, but then he keeps coming back. Um, I think that's why the, the threat of this movie feels so real, so palpable. Um, and seeing Robert Patrick take on many different forms, like I mentioned earlier, I love when they're on the phone with, uh, uh, with the foster parents and mm-hmm. you think that... You know, it's like, what's the dog's name? Oh, it's Max. And he says, Wolfie. And yeah. it's like, your foster parents are dead. Like, <laughs> an actual, like, real, like, fantastic threat. Like, oh, yeah. It's just... Which I think is why they had to go in a different direction with this, like, T-101 versus T-1000. Because at the end of the first Terminator, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was done, he was crushed... That was just it. But mm-hmm. I think they needed to give a character that couldn't as easily be stopped. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the first one almost is like, I mean, we talked about Halloween on this show. The first one is basically just a strong Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. But this one is like, he's so much smarter and has so much more abilities. Like, and also the some of the, all the best effects are attributed to Robert Patrick. Like mm-hmm. when I had totally forgotten about when the, when in the mental hospital, the cop walks by and then he the floor. the floor. I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, also, is that metal? Is the floor metal? Because it says you can. He can only take the form of metal. Well, no, I guess that's not true. I guess because he because anything of equal size. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, he can only form like metal. Like he can only form like knives and picks. Knives and, stuff. and stabbing weapons. <laughs> <laughs> also, I loved the. I I misremembered this moment in my head after he does that, and he takes the form of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, guard and the guard turns around and like looks at himself. I wanted him so bad to be like, "Well, how about this?" Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, it's brutal. And then when he like walks through the gate, the that little gate or not the the um the like the cell block door and just like oh, he just melts. Yeah, it. Oh. that's the best effect in the movie in my mm-hmm. opinion because that one it not only has it held up but it's also just like. Like, you even see the doctor's face where he's just like... Oh, shit, she was right. Yeah, exactly. Because And he's also being affected by the... the Whatever the stuff was in the uh, mm-hmm. in the needle. Um, yeah, he's just... He's absolutely terrifying. It's um, one of those things where the first time you see him get shot and you realize it does nothing, mm-hmm. you're thinking, how are they going to stop him? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You like because constantly they have to just slow him down until mm-hmm. eventually they can uh, get him to with like the liquid nitrogen and with you know the lava um, or the magma at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I had actually forgotten how the movie like fully ends. Like I knew how like Arnold sacrificed himself, but I completely forgot like how they beat. The T-1000. What a coincidence to end up at a steel mill. Yeah, like it's just right there, right off the highway. They just knew. They had their GPS out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I wanted to talk, continuing on the, the topic of like how this movie can like scare you, 
I ever since I first saw it, the the dream like the nightmare sequence of Judgment Day, mm-hmm. still fucking terrifying. Like you that's, everyone's fried. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one of the scariest things in a non horror movie. Like that is just so because not only is it it's really good practical effects with just everyone on fire and melting and like mm-hmm. just uh, um, but the explosion, just the devastation and how loud and how orange and just it's. It's just like, and then she's just a skeleton at the end. When yeah. it's, oh my God. It's just. I feel like what adds to it is the fact that she's watching herself. Yes. Uh huh. Exactly. And she's trying to do all she can, mm-hmm. which is again, why you understand why she would go um, to miles and, you know, try and kill him. Like I, I, I'm never not on the side of these characters. Like I totally understand what they're doing like at all times. Oh yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I, I want to also talk about, um, yeah, the, uh, how how Miles gets introduced to the story. Um, I think he's a really interesting component because he is kind of, you know, he's kind of like a B player. Like he ha- is directly effect, you know, directly in effect of what happens like in Judgment Day and like mm-hmm. how Skynet comes to, um, you know, uh, comes to be. But it's interesting because like he shows up at first, and I had also forgotten how he was introduced, you know, and how we see the chip and see the arm, so that when Arnold like rips his like thing off, he that's knows. like a like oh my god, like no, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, and he has that great line uh, where he's like, um, you know, give you know, don't judge me. It's not every day you learn that you're responsible for the death of three billion people. <laughs> right at that first scene that you're talking about when we then realize they do still have evidence of the first Termina- Terminator. He doesn't really have that much significance. You know that he's in possession of this, but other than that, it's like, well, who is this guy? Right, exactly. Um, and then, you know, I, I think he's he's interesting because he, like I said, he only has like a minimal amount of screen time, but because he immediately understands like how he is directly related to, you know, obviously like just Judgment Day, he is immediately like, all right, I know what we have to do. Like, he's just, he doesn't really push, he doesn't give any mm-hmm. pushback. Um, he doesn't, like, um, he's not like, hey, man, do you know what, like, this is worth? Or, so, like, or something. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, about money or about, like, his career. He's immediately like, uh, yeah, that's um, that's fucked up. I, I, I gotta do something. Yeah, but um, if you had a six-foot-two bodybuilder robot guy rip off his skin and just show <laughs> you that all of your fears are actually real, wouldn't you kind of pedal back a little bit, too? Yeah, I, I, I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that whole sequence at the end with the, it's 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 again it's a thing of just like, it's great storytelling because the first act is so nonstop. I also again I had forgotten that the whole highway stuff happens like that's kind of the inciting incident. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the first act, and then immediately after that the second act starts. And the only real lull moments of this movie that like I had was like, okay they're going to see the fam they're going to see their friends out in the desert, but they're gonna get. Uh, uh, they're gonna get like weapons, and they're gonna you know get the car, and that's where we get you know the, you know, um, down low, too slow, teaching mm-hmm. them about the high fives and stuff. Um, it like the movie doesn't really slow down for me. Uh, like the one thing I guess I did notice also at the end is that like, the ending scene at the steel mill does kind of like oh we got him okay no we didn't get him. Yeah. Oh, he killed Arnold. Okay, no, he didn't kill. It's kind of like a little bit like it ends a couple times. Mm-hmm. I but like it's still so exciting because it's great payoff because it's like I know what we're leading to. No, I mean, does that sort of 
like stop and go ending work for you though? Like I said, I think the where the end where it ends up at the end, I think is really because I, I had thought like oh, okay, the Asta La Vista baby is the end mm-hmm. of the T one thousand, but then I was thinking like oh, wouldn't it melt? And, and then, then it's it melts. Hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I because I like how it kind of plays like with perspective because first because then you're with Arnold and there's that great fight and turns him off but then it goes to the alternate power mm-hmm. but then you're with John and then Sarah starts calling for him mm-hmm. but then that one that one actually got me I was like oh okay they're good they're good now they did it and then Sarah comes up from behind I was like oh no <laughs> it was like, oh it was so I I think it still gets me and again the ending like just having Arnold go down um that in and of itself is worth the wait yeah I mean where Arnold gets essentially stabbed and briefly dies, shall we call it that, uh-huh. it's a depressing moment because yeah. you think like, oh my God, the T-1000's won. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. There's no way that Sarah and John are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's I, It had gotten me too, but even though I knew, that, I was like, how does he come back? Uh, luckily, there's a backup battery in him, you know. I think this scene also has like in... A very short period of time has the best effects in the movie, but also kind of the stuff that hasn't aged that well. So every time the T one thousand gets shot, I think mm-hmm. looks great. I th- and I love when he shoots the the uh, like the rocket at him and he just mm-hmm. explodes and he's just like, like big screaming. Yeah, but then when he falls in the lava, at first it's like I think this movie invented the, you know, and like. You know, the person's dying, so they have to take all the forms like that they have before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he turns into the just the the liquid silver yeah. stuff that in every moment, like even when he says like, get out on the, in the helicopter, like that to me was like, that's the one part of the effects that I don't think has aged great. Anytime he's in that metal form. Just the, yeah, the, the full liquid metal form. That for me was just, I'm just kind of like, uh, it still it's, looks okay. It's, it doesn't look terrible. It's just a little noticeable. Mm-hmm. There's also a scene where they're, when they're driving in the car, when, you know, when she's, you know, with the what's wrong with your eyes, you could totally tell it's like a green screen around them. Oh, they're yeah. not actually driving. That for me was like, all right. But it's like, there's a lot of blues in this movie and there's a lot of reds. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's very Empire Strikes Back almost at the end when yeah. the, the color tones. Um, I uh, think makeup wise, because, you know, going back to the first one, every time we saw basically like the skeleton that was underneath Arnold's character, it was all computer animation and mm-hmm. it looked terrible yeah the, and the makeup really <laughs> saved them in this movie uh-huh absolutely yeah when well when arnold like when he has this like face scratched mm-hmm. and whatever and like you could see pieces of it like underneath it's it looks that looks really good all the practical stuff looks looks fantastic um i, I also wanted to say i to kind of backtrack i know we're going all over the place but it's a podcast who gives a shit um <laughs> when that whole sequence at the end uh it's like I said. It's really cool to see him learning and um, pick up on things that he did before, like when he gets the keys out of the thing mm-hmm. up on the uh, under the hatch, and um, when you see him do the cool smile, like when he's like, "Trust me," with the cops. Mm-hmm. It's so so great. And then that whole sequence where Miles gets shot and he knows what he has to do, and him just like constantly gasping for breath. I remember seeing that the first time, and when he lets it down and the explosion happens, I was just like. I was like, I didn't, I was not expecting like that, like that's how you do it. It's not like someone pushes it and is like a cool one-liner, but they save the one-liner for mm-hmm. later. Like it's actually like, oh, this guy's like 
dying and he is now like because he has it's almost a self-sacrifice in, yeah. a, in 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 many ways and it's just it's an emotionally powerful ending that leads to an explosion it's fantastic yeah i mean that his death wasn't overdone i think they did it the right way you mm-hmm. know just sort of he was understanding what was at stake and really his only line is i don't know how much longer i can hold this mm-hmm. and then that's it yeah it's it's fantastic. And the best moment of, you know, Arnold learning is when he says hasta la vista baby and shoots the the T1000 with the music going. <laughs> is that the best one-liner in cinema history? I think it's like the most known. It's definitely Arnold's like crowning achievement, I think. Um that or I'll be back. There it's Yeah, I like... guess I'll be back is the a little bit more famous. But they're basically oh, it's this I like hasta la vista baby better though. He's got so many one-liners. Yeah. So, I mean, he can, you give the guy like two or three words and he's going to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think that it's th- that one in particular because of, I, I just think that one is so iconic. And it's also, it's it's just cooler. Yeah. I think it has something to like, you know, it, 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 it you know, fits into the story better. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be back. is just like, you know. Just hang tight. I'll be. I'll just be a couple minutes. You know. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, but, that also has, I guess, more sentiment in that way because it was a learned behavior from John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Yeah. Absolutely. But it, it gets me every time. <laughs> I mean, as as like overdone and as parodied as it is in the original, like in the original scene, it's just so satisfying. It's so so great. Um, and then the ending when you know he does the. The thumbs up when mm-hmm. he goes down, it like uh, hits you right in the heart. Okay. <laughs> it's just like you don't want him to go every single time. Every time you're just like, no, you just, uh, but like. I just love that prior to that, after he had shot the T-1000, John picks him up and goes, holy shit. And he's just like, I need a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where'd you learn that? <laughs> you <know? laughs> uh it's just, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there's the whole debate about, you know, if he willingly accepts his death, does that count as self-termination? But you know what? I don't care. Like, he just, like, who gives a shit? It's so, it's so well-earned, and it's just, it, it, it like, it makes you well up, like, because mm-hmm. you, you feel like he's a good friend, and I mean, like, he, I, I think it, this time watching it was interesting is that there's like the family dynamic between all mm-hmm. three of them. And, you know, that uh, Sarah has that great line in the, uh, when they're in the desert and, she, you know, she's like, it, you know, the, the T-100 wouldn't, you know, hit John or go out when he was like after drinking or something like that. Yeah. Like she sees him as like a worthy kind of parent for him. And it's like, this is a good thing. And I hadn't really thought about like, because everyone kind of sees them as like buddies, but like really all three of them are connected emotionally. And it seems like mm-hmm. it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mother, a father and a son kind of relationship. It was weird to see her do a complete 180 that way, being mm-hmm. so terrified. And then she says he's the ideal candidate for a father figure. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just so strange to see how her character develops to actually have a relationship with him in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's another thing that's kind of just ruined in Terminator Dark Fate. Arnold is also in that one, and they have to go find him. And he is living in like a log cabin out in the middle of nowhere with a wife and a stepson. He has a family, 
and he's wearing cargo shorts. Like it's just, it's terrible. It's so awful. Like, uh, you know, and he and he says our relationship is not sexual. I was like, I don't care about your relationship at all. Like, I just I don't. It's so weird. It's 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 awful. It's so awful. Um, you can't make me feel for that family when I already <laughs> like this one. You know, um. And, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Cause like when he hugs him, it is kind of like this, you know, don't go and like fear of, um, fear of loss or just mm-hmm. fear, you know, just being away. And it's, it's emotional. It's so powerful. But I think at the end, you know, it's that moment of saying like, you can't exist if I exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it, it It works either way. If it is a self-sacrifice or not, I don't, again, I don't really care, but it's just... I've just never read that far into it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I came into this movie to have fun, goddammit. Yeah. Well, the fun's over. Let's go talk about analysis. (laughs) Let's go to analyze this. Two things I picked up on this, this watch... That really interested me, uh, for or I guess a couple, there are a few things. One of which was the final line of the movie, which is, um, you know, what's the cost of a life or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was one thing where I was, I it, it like really hit me because like that bleeds into the whole big theme that I have of this movie is that like, you know what? Let's just not do AI. You know, it's just it's gonna lead into terrible places. It's just it's so scary and. You know, Arnold, that's the other thing. Arnold has that great line in the desert where he's like, you know, it's, John's like, we're, we're, we're not going to make it. And he's like, you know, it's in your nature to destroy ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, that is so true because we're so stupid and so ignorant that we're and so greedy and that we're just going to we're just going to destroy ourselves. And because of AI, we do. Yeah, they, I mean. The movie, in that sense, does hit a little bit too close to home. It's obviously not 2032 yet, so yeah. we, we, we shall see. we got a few see. more years. <laughs> but, I mean, we do have technology that's capable of learning to adapt to what we like. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it's like, how far does that go? Not yeah. to be that person that's like, we're headed towards doomsday. Right. Well, but, it, it's just we can't see, we never look that far ahead. Mm-hmm. We're just like, this is a great thing for this problem now, and it's only going to be great forever. It's like, no, it's definitely going to have a downside. I think Miles Dyson is the example of what we are now, where it's like, your intentions are well and good, but stop and think for just a second. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you just need to take a step back and actually understand what you're actually doing. I mean, something like that could be even, like, tied to, like, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Like, how that was created and, like, how that basically just started as a social, like, a a social connection uh, website and then destroyed the world, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's just so strange to think that, you know, this was 1991. If anything, all of this was just speculation, really, Mm -hmm. and to think where we are now... It's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this is a great, but it's a, it's a, it's a movie that is is very much like pushing the ideas of just, yeah, AI just don't do it, yeah. and it's like you have to check yourself. You have to watch like what you're at, like understand the um, the results of your actions. Right. And the other thing that I really kind of put together recently is that the cop's the bad guy in this movie. Right. 
that's brilliant. <laughs> like that's so also so relevant. Um, you know, in in 2021, I think this movie. I've always personally felt like extremely nervous around cops. I think this movie has something to do with that. Um, and yeah, it's it's such a which you never would have thought of as something from an, a movie in the 90s. This mm-hmm. movie is going to have... This is the 30-year anniversary of this movie. Oh, yeah, actually. July. Yeah. So it's so... You know, Cameron, in that sense, was kind of ahead of his time in that sense of having that ideal. I know he when he did this, he said that, you know, he wanted to take, you know, something that we kind of see as good and, mm-hmm. you know, turn it on its head. And Which is maybe why it doesn't seem like it aged all that much is mm-hmm. just because... The, the themes in the movie are a little bit atypical that way. You yeah. know, I mean, you're, at least for us, we're privileged in being able to say, you know, if you see a cop, that's a good person. You should go to them for help. If you're endangered, that's yeah. who you need to turn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just the um, the the father, like the whole family dynamic um, is, it's an interesting lens to put it through because, again, it's like they are, b- both of them, both... You know, Laura or John. Why do I keep calling her Laura? John, John and Sarah um, both have the experience of like he doesn't know his dad, and mm-hmm. you know, Sarah does like has she hasn't been in contact with him, and like she's just like out of his life uh, for obvious time travel like reasons. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, they're kind of dealing with this empty spot in their life, this mm-hmm. empty space, and Arnold kind of occupies that, but it's not heavy handed. Um, you know, where you have like Arnold like caring for like a baby throughout yeah. the movie or something like that. That'd you know, be really weird. That'd be that'd be awful. Um, <laughs> but he's just he's there for everyone and is um, again like everyone's emotions are like so connected to one another. Like th- there's that great moment at the end where Arnold's like, you know, I I know now why you cry, but it is something I can never do. It's just like he touches the face. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's great. Like, all of them have such a good, like, not even just chemistry, but their, just their connection and their, how their emotions, um, and, like, react to one another. I think the movie plays heavily on human emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, your ability to get attached to things and quickly at that. I mean, like, look at relation, or Sarah's relationship with Kyle, for mm-hmm. example. They were together for one night, but she was, like, the love of his life. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, in the same way, Arnold as the Terminator comes in, and it's sort of the same situation, but in a different sense. Yeah, and it, it's not out of love, or not like uh, like true like, oh, my heart only beats for you. Well, it's like a bond. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is an emotional bond, and it's also like this is kind of the person that I need right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it also that what's great about that moment is that that's kind of the only moment of good. Like and good feeling that Sarah has before she has the dream and it sets the rest of the, you know, the movie and in, uh, into place. But in that moment, she feels like, oh yes, this is, this is almost what happiness is. Yeah, and the movie does end in that way too, where she literally says, "I I have hope for the future." Mm-hmm. You know, it leaves on a high note. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not it's not too depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so let's wrap it up and just answer the big burning question. Why do you love Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and how does it add to your love of movies? I think Arnold Schwarzenegger adds to my love of movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love him in, like I said, that trope of being the this big, muscly, tough guy and like getting him now in that way of being the good guy 
And also getting all of this action nonstop. The movie, other than like the desert scene, like you said, doesn't slow down. That's what I want from an action film. Sometimes, to their own detriment, action films can take so long to explain Mm -hmm. where we're going with the film. I'm bored by the time that we actually (laughs) get there. I don't have that with this. Mm -hmm. You know, I've I've watched this movie, I don't even know how many times. Mm -hmm. And right off the bat, that first initial scene where, you know, it's just doomsday, basically. They're trying to fight back against the machines. I'm not bored. I'm already in it. I already want to go. Let's go. Where are we going? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is textbook sci-fi for me. Uh, like I said, up top, sci-fi is one of my favorite subgenres. Um, and yes, this is an action movie for sure, Like, but it's it's not mindless action. Like mm-hmm. I am always, like you said, I'm always just absolutely engaged. I'm never bored. And it it blends everything that I love about sci-fi together so well. Like, great characters, um, great use of technology in the future, Mm -hmm. um, and very clear warning signs or um, commentary on society um, of of the time, or obviously in this case, in the future. Um, And it's... And it, it blends it in such a way where neither feels heavy-handed. The action doesn't feel so overbloated. We were just like, oh, my God. Because everything <laughs> that they did, like, no one had done before. No mm-hmm. one had done chases like that. No one had done practical effects like that. No one had done visual effects like that. Um, so it feels, it still feels new in some sense because you're going back to the source. Mm-hmm. This movie, we, we wouldn't have, you know... the the Avengers movies wouldn't be the same without this movie. I think the yeah. way that, you know, that we wouldn't have the dark Knight movies if mm-hmm. it wasn't for this, it like this, this movie was such a benchmark for this genre. And again, um, the writing of the story is such a great, you know, um, um, it's emotional, but it's also like, it's very scary because it feels real and it feels, I don't want to say plausible, but it feels like, all right, this this it, feel, it feels relevant and it, and it feels real. Like I'm in it, mm-hmm. um, and only the best sci-fi can do that. Like I think this does it. Like The Matrix does this. Children of Men does it. I think um, that's really hard. You know, yeah. for a movie almost thirty years ago now to feel like it came out more recently, at least. You know, like I watched um, Demolition Man. <laughs> Not too long ago, and that only came out two years after the movie, mm-hmm. but it feels very dated. They made a lot of choices that sort of stuck them in the 90s, whereas, like you said, there are themes happening in this movie. The look of it, the way they went about basically creating it makes you want to go back and not say, like, oh, this obviously came out 30 years ago. I can tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, yeah, the whole movie has aged really well. Like, I mean... Even just him saying, like, the whole slang thing where he's like, you know, no problema, or, you know, like, <laughs> get lost, or dickwad, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't say those things very much now, but, like, I think because of this movie, it kept them in the lexicon. And, you know, also, because of how it plays into the story, it doesn't, it, like, it just doesn't feel bad. Like, it's like, like if he was just like, hey, you want to see my Atari 2600? I mean, this is the future right here. <laughs> like, that would that would be terrible. That yeah. would make you feel like, all right, this is in the 90s. But, you know, it's not, it's not blatantly, uh, it, it just has aged so well. Like, you could tell me, like, other than, you know, certain things with, like, the, like, the computer screens or when he's using the, um, the code breaker like mm-hmm. this movie could have come out today and it still would have done really well yeah. like just 
put it out there now. And I think even down to the clothing choices, it doesn't help. There's a little bit of a, like a '90s revival going on right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it's very practical, you know. Like I said, for say Demolition Man, for example, they are doing this sort of fashion that was very trendy at the time, whereas the clothing choices are very basic, and mm-hmm. that helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It, it you know, it's, Sarah just wears her, you know, her white mental patient clothes <laughs> and then goes to black army gear, mm-hmm. and Arnold just wears, you know, this biker gear the whole time, and John just has this cool camo jacket. Like, nothing, nothing is really... Pop, it's not like the kid with the mullet or something, yeah. you know, that's something that's clearly in the 90s, but it's not distract. It's not distractingly so, you know? Yeah, the mullet and parachute pants fresh out of the 80s. <laughs> yeah, with the jean vest, oh, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, it, it just, uh, nothing about this movie feels so um, in your face or like, I, I'm just, I'm never taken out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love when a movie can do that. I love... Like it feels weird to say now, just like can constantly hold your attention because our in our society we just have such short attention spans. Um, but and it's not a short movie. It's really not. It's two hours and it's almost two hours and twenty minutes. It's it's a bit of a commitment, but it's also so worth it because of where they go and what and just how they you know execute everything. Mm-hmm. It's so worth it. And again it's just it has so much heart like it's not a it's not a grim movie like you said it's not uh soulless it has there's so much effort and heart put into it i love when a movie can do that Mm -hmm. um so that's i mean it's like i said it's probably my favorite sci-fi movie it's one of the best sequels it's one of my favorites it's one that i've rewatched so many times um and i it's a it's a masterpiece in my mind no i think like I said, the the whole sequel thing, I'm so used to being let down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first movie usually puts you on such a high. By the time you get to the second one, you're like, eh, well, it might be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they wait, like I said, they waited an, enough time to really be able to top themselves. It's the same with Aliens. Like, again, another James Cameron movie. That first one is so different than this, from the second one, but in the best possible ways. Um, so do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? I mean, if you haven't seen this, you have to see it. <laughs> that is my my yeah. recommendation. Yeah, that is it's an absolute must. Um, thank you, Lexi. Of course, anytime. That does it for this episode of Frankly I Love Movies. Always a pleasure to have Lexi Cutmore on the show. If you'd like more Frankly I Love Movies content, you can go check out our social media pages on Facebook at Frankly I Love Movies, on Twitter at Frankly Podcast, and you can follow me on Letterboxd at BigWalls21 for all recent movie reviews. Frankly I Love Movies is part of the Orion Valley Productions Podcast Network, where you can listen to other shows such as Ravnica Avengers and Tea Time with Titans, our Attack on Titan recap podcast. New episodes of that are out every single Wednesday. And finally, tune in in two weeks when Rihanna Henson joins the show once again to talk about one of 2020's most controversial but critically lauded releases, that is Promising Young Woman. Until then, I'm Josh Wall, and frankly, I love movies. <laughs>